Let's read God's word for us tonight. Again, I ask, did they, and that's the people of Israel, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their their fullness bring? I am talking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I make much of my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the first part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. If some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not boast over those branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but be afraid. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you were to cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree. So there's a house a few blocks from ours that has just a terrible, terrible yard. I've never walked by when, it, when there was anybody there, so I don't know the story, but that yard is a mess. And right along the front sidewalk, there's this row of, I don't even know if they're bushes or trees, that look like they might have been nice looking 20 years ago, but now they are scary. They're all overgrown. They're huge. They look like they're going to fall over. And I think they would fall over if they weren't all kind of leaning on each other. Now, I'm not much of a gardener, but every time I walk by that yard, I think, come on, we got to do something about this. But then I look at it and I think it's hopeless. I mean, maybe you could get somewhere if you had a chainsaw or a flamethrower or a bulldozer. I, I don't know. I think it's probably best to just chop it all down and start over. And if you read between the lines here in Romans 11, you get the sense that's how a lot of the Gentile background believers in Rome felt about the Israelites and their faith. They thought things had gone so wrong with the Jewish people that maybe God should just cut them out, get rid of them, and start all over. So in the passage that we read for tonight, Paul tells the Gentiles to, metaphorically speaking, put the chainsaws away and not cut off the spiritual branch that they're sitting on. There's a number of ways that Paul does that in this passage, but I want to focus on two of them tonight. First, Paul emphasizes that all believers have the same roots. All believers have the same roots. 
And then also, all the branches in this tree of faith share the same faith. All the branches have the same roots. All the branches stay in the tree because of faith. So first of all, Paul says that all the branches have the same roots. Paul's dominant image in this section of Romans is an olive tree. And in Paul's image, that olive tree as a whole represents God's people. And the roots are God's Old Testament people, and maybe specifically the patriarchs, people like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the people that God first called to himself out of the world, the people that God first made a number of promises to. And then the branches. If the whole tree is all of God's people, the roots are kind of the Old Testament people, the branches are different groups of people in the world today. So again, in Paul's image, the whole tree is all of God's people, the roots are God's Old Testament people, the branches are more God's contemporary believers. And some of those contemporary branches for Paul, some of those believers from Rome, seem to have been saying they didn't need what came before. They looked at the Jewish people and they basically thought they should be chopped out of the story of God's work. Like an old, overgrown bush, all of that could just be done away with in favor of something new. And you could understand how these people would come at this from a a religious perspective. From a Gentile Christian perspective, the Jewish people were just a mess. Maybe centuries and centuries before, they'd been in good shape, they'd been following God, they were working in His plan. But in the last few decades before the book of Romans were written, it seems like the Jewish people had just gone badly, badly out of God's way. It seemed like they were misunderstanding God's law and its purpose. They'd played a part in having Jesus executed. They'd rejected over and over again. They'd rejected Jesus as the true resurrected Messiah. It was hard to see how God could keep working with these people. It was easy to see how maybe that whole bit of the thing should just be burned down and done away with. And of course, selfishly, those Gentile believers might be thinking, hey, you know, we're the new thing. We look much better, much better that God would continue with us than with that nasty, old, messy tree. Now, you could also see them coming at this from a social perspective. The city of Rome at that time was really really not fond of the Jewish people. They were blamed for all kinds of troubles. They actually had been banned from the city for a number of years, and just shortly before the book of Romans was written, the Jewish people had finally been let back into Rome, and they were still discriminated against. So the kind of default for the Gentile believers in Rome would have been to assume that they were superior, that they were better religiously and socially than those Jewish believers. But the book of Romans doesn't allow for that perspective at all. Romans 11 emphasizes that believers now still depend on the original roots. The patriarchs, the promises, the people of the Old Testament were still the root of God's people. God had and has one plan that he keeps working out. When we lived in Nigeria, we sort of inherited a house from a previous missionary family. And the guy who had lived there before us loved plants. He loved gardening. He had a green thumb. And he collected plants and trees from everywhere he went. Every stop he made, he'd try to pick up a tree. 
but he wasn't really a very good organizer. And he didn't always pick plants that would necessarily thrive in that particular, particular weather, particular setting we had there. So when we came, our yard was full of these amazing, one-of-a-kind plants that you didn't see anywhere else for miles and miles and miles around. But you'd walk through the yard, and there'd just be this plant dropped right there. And then you'd walk a little farther, and there'd be another plant over there. And then you'd walk farther, and there'd be two trees next to each other there. And the whole thing was just a mess. And some of these plants were tremendously unhealthy. I walked up to one once and touched it like this, and the tree just sort of folded up and down to the ground. So I stopped touching the trees in our yard. It was a mess. It was like he just threw stuff in and saw what happened with it. And if it didn't work out, he'd move on to the next tree. God is not some scattered gardener like that who just starts with one plan, throws something in the ground, see what works out. And if it doesn't work out, he moves on. That tree doesn't work, we'll try the next tree. Those people fall away, we'll get a new people. This plan doesn't work, ah, we'll just make another one. That is not, that is not how God works. The Old Testament stories, God's people in the Old Testament are still part of our story. They're the foundation we build on. They are the roots of our tree of faith. God doesn't have some kind of two-track plan for salvation. It's not like God was planning to save the Jewish people through the law, and when that didn't work out, he just threw that away and decided to send Jesus and save the Gentiles through grace. God didn't switch from one plan to another when Jesus came. And God doesn't have two parallel tracks of salvation going, like the Jewish people get saved their way, the Gentiles get saved their way, and everyone just goes on like two trees planted next to each other. That's not how God chose to work. God made one plan. He has one people that he has been working with from the beginning. God chose to bring all of the nations of the world in, but without throwing the Jewish people out. We Gentiles are included in God's plan, but that doesn't mean that the Old Testament people, that the Israelites were just done at the time of Jesus. Now, it's important, it's crucial, it is the central thing as we say that, that we say this whole story is centered on Jesus. God's people have always been saved by Jesus Christ. People in the Old Testament were saved by looking forward to Jesus. They didn't know all the details, but still their faith was in the one who God would bring to save his people. And if they looked forward, now we look back to Jesus. Jesus who came, Jesus who saves all of God's people. So in first century Rome, the believers were in a very significant period. It was when God's plan, when the very center of it had came to be. But it wasn't something totally new and different. All of God's people are branches of that same tree with the same roots. Now, we today are quite removed from that first century context. We don't really have exactly the same concerns that those Gentile believers did in first century Rome. But we also struggle with how to be a rooted people. Even in the church, people often live without a real sense of their roots. 
we can see some of that in the church just drifting along with whatever the latest trends are. But I think often the big picture of God's salvation history gets pushed back, gets put in the background in favor of what sounds good to us in the moment. There's continually movements in the church. There always has been. There probably always will be. But I think today especially there are movements in the church that want us to throw out the old stories or at least to throw out the parts that we don't like. There are Christians out there who seem to be in some sense genuine Christians but who will say, you know, the parts of the Bible that don't make sense to us today, the parts of the Bible that don't fit what works in our culture, the parts of the Bible that we don't like, just chop them out. Ignore them. They don't matter. These other parts we like. But the Old Testament, the angry God of the Old Testament, just, just get rid of that angry old God and be happy with Jesus and with the love that he brings. These days, if there are things we believe, if there's things the church has always believed that don't fit with the spirit of the age, we're often invited to just dump those things like so much dead wood. We're chronological snobs, if you want to put it that way. But when it comes to the faith, we shouldn't be trying to cut ourselves off from our roots. Too many of the new innovations, interpretations, ways to chop up the Bible and say, hey, we're doing a new thing. Too much of that is just people cutting off the branch that they're sitting on. Too much of that is people saying, we aren't going to do things God's way, we're going to do things our way. And if we cut ourselves off from the roots of the faith, we impoverish ourselves. If we don't hold on to the whole Bible, we lose all kinds of parts of the faith, and our faith loses a lot of its depth. The church, we as God's people, have roots that go way, way down and way, way back. And those roots, that big story the Bible gives us, that's what gives us the strength to withstand any storm. And so if we want to really go deep in the faith, we need to stay connected to our roots. We need to hold on to all of God's word. We need to hold on to that big story of God working with his people, even through their failures, even through their mistakes, even when it seems like they weren't holding on to God. We don't remake this faith for ourselves in every generation. We belong to the tree of faith that goes way, way back. So that's one point that Paul wants us to hear here in Romans chapter 11. But maybe the bigger point that these verses really are trying to get across is that faith, faith is what keeps all these different branches attached to the tree. Faith and grace are what keep each of us as individuals attached to the the big tree of God's grace. If you read Romans, you get the sense the Jewish background believers in Rome seem to have this idea that keeping the law, keeping the law, being descended from Abraham, having all those external markers of being Jewish, that was what made them special. And at different points in Romans, in Romans chapter 2, at the beginning of chapter 11, Paul kind of challenges, challenges them on that. He says, you know, you people don't really keep the law, and you never have. You know, a lot of you people don't really follow Jesus. Even people who are descended from Abraham physically, 
you know, a lot of them aren't really living up to what they're saying they should. But here in this section of Romans, Paul is kind of turning to the Gentile believers, and now those people, the new group, they were thinking they were something special now. They were looking down on the Jewish people and saying, hey, we're better than them. These new branches now were boasting over the old ones. They were proud because they were so important that those old branches even got broken off to make room for them. And their boasting had a little bit of a foundation to it. The Jewish people, well, as the gospel spread, a lot of the Jewish people had rejected it, and it seemed like you could say God had pushed them out. And many people from other nations had come in. The old branches had been broken off, and the outsiders, the new branches, had been grafted in. All that was true. But now these outsiders, these new branches, were starting to be proud of themselves. They were starting to think they were really something special. They were starting to feel entitled to their salvation and their place in God's people. And that's what has Paul concerned for them. All too easily and all too often, when people set out on the road to becoming righteous in God, they end up slipping off into the road of self-righteousness. Once you feel like you're somehow entitled to be part of God's people, spiritual pride becomes a tremendous problem. And pride is one of the great spiritual killers. You can pretty easily guess that Paul was seeing exactly this happening in Rome. These people had been so excited to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. They were so excited to become part of God's people. But then at some point, their gaze fell away from God onto themselves. And they started feeling really pleased that they belonged, that they were God's people now, not like those other people. No, no, no. They were better. They became proud of who they were and what they'd done, and that pride turned them away from God. That self-righteousness, that pride, was drying them up more and more. One of the challenges of the Jewish people at that time was that they'd gone their own way. They'd thought, you know, this or that thing made them special, entitled them, put God in their debt. And now the Gentile believers were doing exactly the same thing. Pride drives out our faith. I was out trimming our bushes a little bit the past couple weeks, and most of the branches were healthy. They just needed a little bit of pruning. But then you'd come to some branches that were dead. They were all dried out. There wasn't any life to them. So you'd just bump them a little bit, and they'd crack right off the tree. And if they didn't crack off, there really wasn't anything you could do except break them off and throw them away. There was no life left there. Pride turns us into dry branches. Pride in ourselves, in who we are, in what we do, takes us away from the true righteousness that God gives us through faith. And God breaks off the branches that don't truly believe. God does not put up with unbelief or with pride. If people turn away from God, God turns away from them. Arrogance and boasting in our place as part of God's people that we somehow deserve is a sign of spiritual pride, of spiritual dryness, of spiritual death. 
Again, in some ways, we're far, far removed from first century Rome. But in some other ways, we're in exactly the same situation. Have you ever looked at someone and thought, boy, I'm sure glad I'm not like them. Have you ever seen some news story or looked at someone in your life and thought, hey, I am so glad that I follow Jesus, not like that other person who's rejected him and gone their own way. When we look at believers, when we look at people whose lives aren't as good as our own, do we rejoice because we're better than they are? Do we get all excited because after all, that shows that we're good people, that we really must belong to God? Or when we look at those people, are we grieved at their unbelief? And are we driven to throwing ourselves more and more on the grace of God given to us in Christ? We can have real, deep, true confidence that we belong to Christ if we stand by faith. But that confidence should never make us arrogant or boastful in the faith. There is no place No place here for boasting. Let's go back to that tree analogy. Generally in the ancient world, if you'd graft olive trees together, you'd take a branch from a cultivated tree and you'd graft it onto the root of a wild olive tree. You'd take a branch from a cultivated tree and you'd connect it to the root of a wild tree. And then sort of the vitality, the strength of that wild tree would feed the cultivated branch and you'd get good fruit. But what Paul describes in this passage is the opposite. We just sort of run through it, and oh yeah, grafting's happening, whatever. But for the people in first century Rome, Paul would have been talking crazy talk here. What happens if you take a wild olive branch and you branch it into a culti- and you graft it into a cultivated root is pretty much nothing. If you take a cultivated branch and put it on a wild root, you get good fruit. If you do it the other way around, you get no fruit. You get nothing. Paul totally turns upside down what would have been the standard agricultural practice of his day. And he does that to make a point to the Gentiles. Paul is telling the Gentiles that they are wild trees that have been grafted onto cultivated roots and they bring nothing to the equation. If you actually did that kind of grafting, you would get no good out of it at all. You might get a few puny, nasty little olives, but there would be no harvest. And so Paul is saying to the Roman believers, to the Gentiles who were so proud of themselves, you got nothing. You don't bring anything to the table. It's not that you were so good or that you can become so good. It's that God is gracious sharing in the blessings of god's people was not something they deserved it was something that was given to them apart from god's grace there would have been no reason at all to bring these gentile branches and to graft them into the roots of god's people apart from god's grace no reason at all to bring any of us in But God is gracious, says Paul. God is 
gracious. And so he gives this undeserved privilege, this unmerited grace to all kinds of people. God grafts those wild branches into the roots of his people and he makes them fruitful. Even when there would have been no hope, naturally speaking, God takes those wild branches and he makes them a fruitful part of his tree. And God even takes the old dead branches that he'd broken off before and he can bring them back to life and graft them back into that tree. So ultimately, the message in this passage for all of God's believers comes down to the same thing. Belonging to God's people is a gift. Belonging to God's people is a gift of grace that we receive through faith. There is no room for boasting. There is no room for pride. There is no reason for us to be satisfied with ourselves in this story. This is not something we deserve or something we earn. It is something God has given us out of his grace. And so we go to God and we throw ourselves on his grace because nothing else will do. As we wrap up tonight, verse 22 invites us to consider the kindness and the sternness of God. Consider the kindness of and the sternness of God. God trims this tree that is his people. Those who don't believe are cut off. The spiritually dead branches are broken off and cast away. If we reject God, he rejects us. If we turn away from God, he turns away from us. We are in no position ever to insist that we are entitled to God's grace. It is all grace. God is stern. But even more than that, he is kind and he is gracious. God grafts all kinds of branches into his tree. God is gracious to people who don't have anything to give to him. God is gracious in bringing people back who have fallen away from him and gone their own way. God grafts all kinds, all kinds of people into his people. Everyone, everyone who depends on the name of Jesus will be saved. And that is where our hope has been. From the very beginning, that is where the hope of God's people has been, and that's where it is today. Our hope isn't in ourselves, our hope is in God. And God takes care of his people like the most skilled gardener takes care of his favorite tree. God cares for every single one of us. God cares for every single branch on the tree of his people. He brings in wild branches and makes them flourish. He revives dead branches by his grace. By God's grace. Through faith, we live by grace. Consider then the kindness and the sternness of God and hold on to God's grace through faith.